Goshen College students, faculty, and staff, good morning. My name, my name is Clinton Strobel, and I am a second year student coming to you live from the sandy beaches of Southeast Virginia. As well as pursuing a major in peace, justice, and conflict studies, and a minor in global economics, I am in fact a part of the Mighty Maple Leafs baseball program. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing to some and presenting to others a man that needs no introduction, Dr. James Brenneman. Embarking on his 11th and final year as the 16th president of, of Goshen College, Dr. Brenneman leaves a legacy of laughters, stories, and ideas amongst us all. As a Goshen College student graduating in the late 1970s, Dr. Brenneman took advantage of our unique opportunity to pursue an interdisciplinary degree, combining biology, natural science, and Bible courses. He went on to attend Associated Mennonite Biblical Seminary and completed a Master of Divinity degree at California's Fuller Theological Seminary. At Claremont Graduate University, also in California, he earned a Master of Arts degree in Religious Studies and a doctorate with a focus in Hebrew, Hebrew, Bible, Old Testament studies. Dr. Brenneman's wife, Dr. Terry J. Plank Brenneman, is a clinical psychologist and also a 1977 Goshen College alumnus. Together, the doctors raised their son, a young man that I have the privilege of calling a friend, Quinn Brenneman. President, Bren President Brenneman's extensive background as a scholar, teacher, and pastor have fueled his passion for our beloved institution. Coming here 11 years ago, Dr. Brenneman had a vision of making Goshen College a more diverse and sustainable institution. Strongly embracing our core values, seeking to be Christ-centered, compassionate peacemakers, global citizens, passionate leaders, and servant, passionate learners, and servant leaders. We see evidence of his success in all of you here and those that are not with us on SST. Today, we get the inside scoop as we will be the first to be introduced to this year's core value theme with his talk, Until My Dying Breath, A Passion for Learning. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our beloved president of Goshen College, Dr. James Brennan. Straight back, thank you, Clint, for that wonderful introduction. I, I certainly enjoyed being with you on the ninth hole for all afternoon at the Maple Leaf Athletic Club uh, golf outing this year and to hear of your being a Maple Scholar, doing some really wonderful work in uh, vengeance studies, revenge studies, uh, reconciliation, and forgiveness, yes, at, of all places, in South Carolina at Emmanuel AME Church where the 2015 slayings occurred. He interviewed families there. We have a lot to learn from you, and uh, thank you so much for leading here at Goshen College. So, bienvenidos a todos. Welcome everyone here on campus again. Those who are returning, it's great to have you back. And those who are here for the first time ever, we especially want to reach out and welcome you and make you feel right at home while you're here. Like I say every year at this time, because it's true, I really miss you guys on campus. It is too quiet here and just too calm. We need more energy and it's great to have you back for that reason alone. 
And this year, I noticed for the first time, I think, how old it feels when you're not here. In fact, maybe this came up recently. I was watching, a, a, actually, it's a, a, it was an advertisement about the movie, I mean, the show Survivors, which has been around a long time. And they said, this year, it's going to be the battle between the generations. And I thought, wow, that'll be cool. It's probably my Led Zeppelin Beatles generation and y'all's, what are you, Gen X, Y, Zs, iGens, or I'm not sure what MTV now labels you, but I thought that's going to be a great battle. Well, turns out for Survivor, the two generations are those of you who are millennials and those of you who are Gen Xers or YZs or iGens. A generation between the two of you just blows my mind. It makes me feel, feel very wrinkled all of a sudden. Well, no matter what your generation is this morning, let me simply say I love whatever generation you are, and it's, it's, it's great to have you back with us. As Clinton mentioned already, this is going to be my last year at Goshen College, which is unbelievable to me how fast time flies. I mean, on one hand, I think, wow, most of you were like 7 to 12 years old, something like that, when I came, even before President Obama was president of the United States. So on one hand, it feels like, oh my gosh, it seems like an eternity. On the other hand, two blinks, and here you are. It's an amazing how time uh, passes so quickly. I do want to say, I'll take some time to reflect on my time at Goshen College later in the year, but for now, let me just tell you all, it has been one of the greatest joys of my life to be the 16th president of Goshen College, and I would say especially uh, those of you for whom I have been your president, Jimmy B. That has meant a lot to me over the years as well. So, but let's take this my last year and some of yours as well, and some of your first, second, third, fourth, I think there's some people who have worked here 40 or 50 years, let's make this the best year ever. In the meantime, let's get started by welcoming those of you who, for whom it will be your last year as students here at Goshen College. If you're a senior, will you stand up and let us welcome you one last time at the opening convocation? All right. Now, if you happen to be a sophomore, junior, a returning sophomore, junior, will you stand up? And uh, we're glad you're going to stay around a while, but we are, we're glad you're back. Great. Great. And now, if you are a first year, for the first year at Goshen College, will you stand up? We especially want to welcome you to the campus. All right. Welcome. Now this is going to capture all the rest of you. If you're a graduate student, a transfer online, adult and professional studies, or any other student here at Goshen College, please stand up and let us welcome you as well. There will be less of you, but all right. Good. And we can't leave out our beloved professors, teachers, staff, administrators, all of you who help out throughout the year. Uh, will you please stand up and let us welcome you back to a new year as well. 
All right. Okay. Everyone stand up and let's sing about our let's sing our alma mater, Goshen College. We love you. Goshen College has a quirky alma mater. We think it's the only alma mater in 5-4 time, and that can only mean one thing. For the first time ever, we need to hear a jazz introduction to this piece. And I'd like to thank Jacob Penner, saxophone, and Julian Harnish at the piano for both their prelude music and for leading us in our singing of the alma mater. They will play it, oh, and you will find copies at the ends of the rows if you haven't already, and words are on the screens, of course. After they play it through once, we will sing the refrain, and then we'll sing all three verses, and it's going to move at a quick pace, so get ready. Let's bring it down so we can hear them. Thank you. 
wow, that was awesome. Still as rich today as it was so many years ago when I was in your shoes. As many of you know, each year, as was told, we focus on one of the core values for the year, and this year it will be passionate learning. Our faculty and staff, administrators and others, were at Mary Lee, like we do every year at the beginning of the year, at a, a retreat, and there we begin the year by reflecting on one of the core values this year, passionate learning, which we will carry on through the rest of our time together this year. If you haven't memorized the five core values that were recited to you by Clinton, this is a good time for you to begin, and maybe by the end you'll, you'll know them by heart. This morning, I simply want to offer three descriptions of what I think it means to be a passionate learner. First of all, for me, a passionate learner is the most excited learner in the room. Several weeks ago, I was at a meeting of educators, and a former first grade teacher, without knowing it, defined for me the core value, passionate learning, in such a succinct and powerful way. She said that was, it was her duty as a teacher, and she, by the way, she was a first grade teacher, then a third grade teacher, then a seventh grade teacher, then a college professor, and now she was a businesswoman. And she said it was her duty as a teacher to be the most excited learner in the room. And I thought that's an awesome, short way of describing what it means to be a passionate learning. To get a sense of such excitement, check out any YouTube link Please don't do it right now, but check out any link of little kids discovering things for the first time. There's one of a little girl experiencing rain for the first time. She's totally astonished. Her hands are in the air, and she's running in and out of the rain. She can't believe it. It's so exciting. Another one shows a little boy seeing popcorn pop for the first time. He goes bananas with excitement. And the best one of all is that of a little boy being held by his mom when he realizes that the engineer driving the big train that's going by and honking the horn is none other than his own very own daddy. And the kid is just flabbergasted to tears, overwhelmed with excitement, and the, the video is just priceless. Kids discovering new things for the first time are often the most excited people in the room. And their excitement, as we know, is contagious. I couldn't hardly get off the YouTube at that point. I was a natural science, biology, Bible, interdisciplinary major, as you heard uh, Clinton tell you. I spent most of my college life in the science building. And there, Dr. Frank Bishop, who was my biology prof and advisor, was one of the most contagiously inquisitive human beings I have ever met. He told us at that time that a scientist was one of the most exciting professions ever because you never really have to grow up. At the heart of every great scientist, he said, is simply that child who never stops asking why. Now, every parent or teacher uh, of little ones knows how true that is. I remember how it was when my son Quinn was little. It went something like this. And watch the progression. It goes from me being sort of science-oriented to me being sort of exasperated to me not knowing, being epistemologically ignorant, that is, my knowledge is 
worn out, to me going theological and finally giving up. So here is how it went. It's, we can't go to the park today, Quinn, because it's raining. Why? Well, because the clouds are full of moisture. Why? Well, there's this thing called water cycle where evaporation pulls the water from the rivers and the oceans and it goes into the skies and then it rains. Why? Well, uh, here's where old age comes in. I don't really remember. <laughs> Why? And now I moralize. Well, maybe it's because I wasn't listening in class when we, they taught us about the rain cycle. Why? Well, I don't know. Why? Well, believe it or not, Daddy doesn't know everything. Why? <laughs> because only God knows everything. Why? I don't know. Just go ask your mom. <laughs> Why? American poet, activist, and best-selling novelist Marge Percy in her recent memoir, Sleeping with Cats, argues that any writer, especially a novelist, worth her craft, must relentlessly ask the whys, the whos, the what-fors, and the hows. In fiction, she says, I exercise my nosiness. I am as curious as my cats, and that has led me to trouble often enough that I have used up several of my nine lives already. So for her, ultimately, Learning is about asking questions, even at the cost of one of your nine lives, shall we say. A passionate learner, then, first, is one who never stops asking why and is the most excited, most curious, nosiest person in the room. A passionate learner, secondly, is a fervent listener of others. Speech pathologist Susan Truesdale coined the term whole body listening to underscore what it means to be a fervent listener. Whole body listening. And she has ways of getting at that, involving your whole body and senses. It's what she calls total person involvement in listening to others. Such listening, she says, is the key to deep learning. This year's campus ministries team has produced another uh, wonderful prayer book, booklet entitled Learning Through Stories, and I invite you to pick it up. I particularly like how self-described strong introvert, junior music ed major and Bible minor, Monica Miller, turns storytelling on its head and calls us to be, I love this, she says, let's be story listeners. That only comes from a strong introvert, doesn't it? And I would point her out, but she'd probably kill me for doing that. Thank you, Monica. She says we need a practiced ear that will take in words that may or may not be pleasing to it and will let the words soak in. Then, she says, the words and the ear will mutually transform each other. I love that. Story listening, fervent listening, is about mutual transformation. Recently, I heard an interview with Vice President Joe Biden in which he lamented that Democratic and Republican House and Senate leaders and representatives do very little, using Monica's term, story listening anymore. 
There was a time even as political adversaries, he said. We knew each other's families. We ate together in the Senate mess hall. We visited each other's homes. We knew whose spouse had cancer and whose child had a drug problem. Amazingly, even as he became more progressive in his commitments, his friendships remained strong across the aisle, such that the dying request of Republican Senator Jesse Helms, the old segregationist anti-civil rights senator from North Carolina, his political adversary for a lifetime, though Senator Helms' uh, positions did shift some, but he, no less than he, asked Senator Biden to deliver his eulogy. And at the funeral, Senator Helms' widow told then-Senator Biden that her whole family had voted for him for vice president and had signs in their yard to support him. Fervent listening can be transformative. I love PJCS Professor Carolyn Schrock-Shank and ecological stewardship czar and instructor Glenn Gilbert that they have befriended our local sheriff, Brad Rogers. Even though I'm guessing, ideologically, they may strongly disagree on many things. In fact, Sheriff Rogers has told me how he disagrees with many things at Goshen College. But by the way, his daughter came and learned Spanish here because we teach the best, we have the best Spanish teachers. <laughs> so I'm guessing we disagree, they disagree on many things, but they have found common ground around the power of Christ-centered restorative justice principles. This has led to our very popular inside-outside classes in the local jail to some amazing transformative experiences by all the students, that is, the students inside and outside the jail who participate. And I must say that includes me because of the times I visited. I share these stories because they illustrate the power and humanity of fervent listening. In polarizing times such as these, especially in this political season, we need to listen to each other more, not less. And I would recommend that those of us in whatever majority tribes we're a part of, in the white privilege or straight tribes in society, or the progressive Mennonite tribe on campus, or the educated elite tribe, which, by the way, includes almost everyone in this room, because if you're going to college or have a college degree, you are among the 6% in the world's population who will ever have this opportunity. 6%, 94% do not. So, if we're part of the educated elite, or those of us in whatever majority, we must be the most willing to be fervent listeners of all. This year, we'll continue our structured 3D conversations. We call them difficult discussions about difference that we began last year. It's one of the many opportunities to fervently listen to each other passionately and to learn from each other about our common fears, hopes, values, yes, and our very real differences. Let's each ask ourselves, is my circle of friends pretty much made up of theological, political, cultural, and ideological clones of me? I challenge every one of us, if not already the case, make a friend, a real friend, this year of someone with whom you have major ideological, religious, cultural, or political differences. 
I think it's safe to say that I have never not learned something from someone, no matter how different, than me when I've truly, fervently listened to them. Often I've learned more from the differing other than the echo chamber of my own circle. It's called, we don't have time to get into it, but ask your philosopher, professor, epistemological and hermeneutic humility. You cannot truly be a well-balanced liberal arts graduate if you don't have epistemological humility and hermeneutic uh, variety coming at you. So, if you're passionate about Bernie, find someone who's passionate about Trump or vice versa. Through fervent listening, through story listening, you may just be surprised that you find at base, beneath the fears, anxieties, and misunderstandings, a kindred spirit, a deeper, deeper level of knowledge, of learning, of truth, impossible to have known otherwise. Passionate learners, then, are fervent listeners. Finally, passionate learners are, let's call them lifers. Passionate learners are those who pursue understanding, mastery, knowledge, and wisdom in all its many shapes and forms inside and outside the structured classroom until their dying breath. I could tell a thousand stories to illustrate this description of being a lifelong passionate learner. I could name as examples most every college professor that I've had or you have had or will have. By definition, we might expect to draw from those in the educated tribe the best examples of lifelong passionate learners. That's why instead this morning, I have deliberately chosen as my final example of this core value someone I know who turns 90 next month, someone who has no formal education as we know it beyond the eighth grade, and yet is one of the most inquisitive, curious, fervent, passionate learners I have ever known. His name is Erwin Plank. You see, Irv started out in life a little Amish kid who by religious conviction was not allowed to go beyond the eighth grade in school. Did that shut down his curiosity, his passion for learning? Not in the least. Sometime after leaving home at 16 and on his own, he became interested in designing and building commercial heating, plumbing, and air conditioning systems. He studied, took classes, learned by trial and error, and the School of Hard Knocks competed against many of his engineering peers to build a successful company and a career from scratch. But that wasn't good enough for him. <laughs> he loved the idea of flying. So he took classes, read, studied hard, learned to fly, got his instrument rating, bought a plane, built a paved runway and hangar in a field with a friend, and by golly, flew the friendly and sometimes not so friendly skies for well over 50 years. I was with him on a flight from Washington, D.C. a long while ago, and we were in the middle of an ice storm, and all you, could, you couldn't see up from down backwards or forwards, all I could see is out on the edge of the, uh, of the wing was ice, and it was gathering up. We were running low on gas. We had to be vectored in from Fort Wayne and Toledo, triangulated, to a tiny little airport that no one was even at, to a tiny little airport in the middle of Ohio, and Irv 
brought the plane down. We didn't see that little runway until we were 50 feet off the ground, and we landed safely, sliding, sliding, sliding all the way. Did I say I was the co-pilot in the co-pilot seat? <laughs> my God, I was praying to my God that whole time. Soon after I met Irv, over 35 years ago, he was already at that time building his own computers, piece by piece, from scratch, taking them apart, fixing and updating them, and this before most people half his age even knew what Linux meant. Somewhere along the line, Irv decided to become a tax accountant and start a payroll business on top of his other biz uh, his businesses and hobbies. So he took classes, read books, studied hard, passed all the licensing exams, and has been doing that for 40 years. Plus, every year he still has to keep up the latest tax requirements and computer programming that boggles far more youthful minds than his. He finally cut back this past year to a mere 150 tax clients because the few years before he was already doing 360 or something. And then if that's not enough, just recently, he up and figured out how to become an Uber driver <laughs> using the Uber app on his car when most people his age haven't even mastered their email accounts. <laughs> Apparently, as long as you keep getting five-star ratings in the Uber system, they care more about the age of your car than the age of the driver. <laughs> the point is, Irv didn't have a college degree but he's a lifer. He has passion for learning and will do anything it takes for him to learn something that he's passionate about right up until his dying breath. And I'm proud to call him my father-in-law. I married up. In just a few minutes, the ensemble parables will come and sing of ultimate longing, of lifelong learning bequeathed to us by grace. They sing of our dear fathers and mothers, our ancestors praying, calling on the wisdom of the ages from the morning stars above, through the valleys below, beyond the heavens to the unknown futures, beyond the grave, calling for a dawning of daybreak in our souls. It's a prayer for all of us in this room this morning. All of us who have come to study, work, or teach at Goshen College by God's infinite grace. It's a calling for us to be curious and inquisitive, to be the most excited learner in the room, to be fervent listeners to the stories of others, especially those from whom we differ, and above all, to never, ever stop learning, even up to and including our dying breath. Thank you all for listening fervently.